Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning or you may be listening to us via iHeartRadio. thank you for joining us and you might even be listening to us via podcast and if you haven't been able to check that out simply go to our website at coastalwm.com and click on the radio icon I'm here this morning, one of your hosts, Eric Cox, with the lovely and talented, wait, Leslie's not here. I don't know about lovely Byron or Stahl. talented, but I guess I'll just go with Byron Stahl. Good morning, We'll Eric. go with, yeah, BS, right? <laughs> BS. Exactly. Good morning, Byron. What's happening this morning? Doing pretty well. Crazy to think that yesterday was already the longest day of the year, and it's uh, all downhill Summer here. is here. We're in the thick of it, rounding out June. Hard to believe that we're there, and uh, we'll be... Uh, Next thing you know, kids will be heading back to school. So it's uh, crazy. Hopefully everybody's enjoying their summer. Life comes at you fast, doesn't it? It does indeed. And speaking of life, uh, what a great uh, show we had the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, Byron, we've had the pleasure of the last five years, you and myself and Leslie, of doing this show and hearing these great stories of entrepreneurship. And i got to tell you, last week was another one of those just banner shows um, and the week before with Tracy Noonan. Um, who's the owner of Wicked Good Cupcakes. Uh, what a story. Uh, you might know Tracy's name from Shark Tank a few years ago. They were on there, picked up a deal with Mr. Wonderful. And uh, I tell you what, if you uh, love stories of adversity and just the fight and um, just what it's all about to be truly a business owner, go check out Tracy's show. Again, go to our website at Coastal wm.com and just click on the radio icon and not only tracy's shows there but all of our shows for the last four or five years are on there so um, byron uh, i know you had a lot of takeaways a lot of nuggets yeah share maybe yeah. your your best one with us absolutely well um you know one piece i will add is that actually a good friend of mine who's the owner of ras productions here locally he's an entrepreneur he's a serial entrepreneur he reached out to me after the show and said you know what after hearing Tracy's show, I just feel inspired. I mean, hearing all the adversity that she went through and how she persevered, and it didn't matter how bad it got, she came through on the other end uh, for the better. So I think the biggest story is just overcoming adversity. And if you're going through uh, hard times right now, if you're thinking about getting into entrepreneurship, you want to hear what it's really like to get into entrepreneurship, absolutely go to our website, coastalwm.com. And listen to Tracy's podcast. Yeah, it was amazing. Tracy, thank you for bringing it last week. And as always, we just have amazing stories about what it's like to be you know, out there getting it done as an entrepreneur. And for those who haven't really ventured into that before, use our shows as a great way to hear more about it. And like you said, Byron, if you're heading that direction, what a great way to understand what the waters of entrepreneurship are all about. So uh, again, thanks, Tracy, for that. And as usual, we turn the page to another show. That's what we're all about here, Beyond the Business. People you know, stories you don't. 
And speaking of which, we have Mr. Kenny Gamble in the studio today. Kenny is the owner of Paul Davis Restoration here in Charleston. So, Kenny, first of all, welcome this morning. Thank you for taking the time to join us and share your story with our listeners. Yes, uh, good morning. I'm glad to be here. And and we, we say that the slogan is people you know, stories you don't. Some people may actually recognize that name, right, from some days back playing a little NFL. Yeah, uh, that's possible, but... Uh a lot of times, uh, you know, when I'm walking through the airport, I get a lot of people that recognize it for other reasons. Um, there's a music producer um, from back in the, the, the 70s, uh, probably late 60s, early 70s, uh, out of Philadelphia. Uh, his name is Kenny Gamble as well. And uh, he's produced, you know, some of the, you know, I guess the world's most uh, famous uh, artists. Um, you know, the Temptations, the OJs. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if you guys remember any of the songs from... Oh, yeah. those groups, but uh, yeah, he's a legend in Philadelphia. Um, so I try to pass through Philly so you as much say, as I can. Absolutely, that's me, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly, absolutely. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. smile and go on. Yeah, and then I can keep my shoes on, keep my belt on, and go right through, uh, right there through the go. airport. Walking airport to Starbucks, say, exactly. Kenny Gamble. Exactly. Exactly. Well, <laughs> before we jump into um, your story and your background, why don't you give our listeners just a, a quick snippet of uh, Paul Davis Restoration? Yeah. Well, we're a uh, restoration and a remodeling company. Uh, been in existence for about uh, 20 years. Um, I just purchased it uh, recently, um, back in December. Uh, just now, uh, recently moving to the low country here. I'm excited about being here. Um, but we do a lot of uh, insurance work. Um, that's our primary uh, primary focus, uh, particularly with uh, USAA, which is a major uh, insurer in this area obviously because of the uh, strong military ties that are here. And then we also do a lot of work for State Farm and Allstate, so a lot of the big brands that you guys are all familiar with. Um, right. And we basically, you know, come in uh, when uh, families have, uh, you know, issues. They're dealing with some type of disaster. Um, we come in to, you know, help them, you know, get out of those disasters, whether it's dealing with water or fire or smoke or any type of, you know, property damage, um, both residential and commercial. Uh, we're there to help them in their time of need. Cool. Well, yeah. we look forward to hearing more about the business and kind of everything goes behind that business. But we're going to defer that till probably mostly next week. Okay. Uh, we're going to kind of take you back a little bit before we get to what's going on today. Yeah, we love to go not just back, but to the very beginning. Why don't you tell us about where you grew up and wow. what was family life like? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, originally from uh, Holyoke, Massachusetts. Um, that's where I was uh, born and raised. Um, grew up in the projects. Uh, you know, was was raised by a single parent, um, along with uh, my sister, and um, you know, all my memories uh, back to my childhood are, are really, really good. Um, you know, I, I'm sure one could easily say, you know, growing up in that type of environment, you know, maybe there was a lot of disparity, but there, there really wasn't in my in my household. And I think a lot of that I can attribute to my mother, who was a very, 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 very strong person, and she was always the one person I didn't want to disappoint. And give us a sense of what was mom doing to provide for the family, and yeah, well, uh, I think she grew up, or, or she was providing for, uh, for the family through public assistance um, at one point, um, and then um, you know I think she, you know because of her 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 strong you know ethics, um, she ended up you know getting some training um, in terms of uh, you know being a you know a CNA, and um, she started you know she she got her own job. And she started working at a nursing home, you know, uh, taking care of, uh, you know, some elderly folks. Um, and, you know, that was, uh, uh, she did that for like 30-something years. Um, so that's what I remember about her uh, doing that type of work. Um, and I saw, you know, how hard she worked and, you know, the time that she was putting into it. 
um, and then able to, you know, provide us, you know, what we needed. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, kind of helped, you know, spur me, you know, as a, as a, as a kid. Um, and I remember her pulling me aside one time um, because I had a, a friend of mine that said, hey, look, let's go to the amusement park over here. And I didn't have any money. And, you know, my mother's like, well, you know, you got to figure out what you're going to do in order to, you know, be able to go. She goes, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you this time, but, you know, you got to have your own plan. Um, she goes, you know, you got to be, you know, more self-sufficient. And uh, so I decided to uh, go find a job. And uh, I think I was 14 at the time. And uh, I went up to, uh, you know, one of the main streets, you know, up, up from my house. And uh, it was a drugstore. Um, and it was called uh, Archer Kent. It was the name of the drugstore. That was a long time ago. And so I went into the lady and I said, hey, look, I'd, I'd love to, you know, have a job. Um, I'll stock shelves. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Um, and at the time I was only like 14. I think you had to be 16 in order to work. Uh, so, you know, I told a little fib and, um, you know, she hired me. And, uh, you know, I think after probably about uh, probably like six months in, I think she she got a little suspicious of me. Um, because there were a couple of times where she was trying to find me and she would uh, ask someone uh, that was already working at the store um, that was in high school um, to find me, to, you know, call me and, and, or, you know, get me to come into work. And that person could never find me. Um, and that was because I was in the middle, the, school, middle school at the time and not in high school. So uh, after a while, probably after about, about a year, she decided to let me go because, uh, you know, because I wasn't of age. I wasn't legally able to work. So. Um, that was a little disappointing that that was a little painful, but, um, because I took money out of my pocket. Um, but that was okay. And so, um, I was 15 at that time and I decided to go up to the supermarket that was up the street from me as well. And, um, I took a job as a, as a bagger at, at a grocery store and, you know, things just took off from there. So, um, I worked, um, you know, bagging, uh, next step for me was to, you know, I, I became a cashier, um, at the, at the store. And then I went into the grocery department um, and I was, uh, you know, filling, restocking shelves um, that time. And uh, fortunately enough for me, I had a, a gentleman that was uh, head of the grocery department um, and actually even the store manager. Um, they appreciated what I was doing, um, particularly, you know, that I was working and I was staying there till 10 o'clock at night, you know, some nights during the week. And I was playing sports, you know, uh, for, you know, for the middle school and, and the high school. Um, so they respected that and they would give me the hours that I needed in order to, you know, be able to, you know, make the money I needed to, to live off of and also to, you know, participate. So, so and at this stage of your life, you're working, right? You're going to school, playing sports. Did you have this vision of what you wanted to be when you grew up? No, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was growing up. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of, a lot of role models. Um, I, I did see things that, I knew I didn't like. Didn't want to you know, be. Yeah, right? didn't want to be. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, there obviously there were a lot of different influences around me when I was a kid, um, but I was always afraid of my mother and afraid of like you know how she would you know perceive me. Um, so I try to do things that wouldn't hurt her um, and that would uh, that would ingratiate her. Um, she was the most important thing to me. Um, she was around when I needed her, uh, so I didn't want to do anything to disappoint her. So so I tried to live, you know. Um, you know, live the right way and try to, you know, go down the right path. Um, there were a lot of things that were pulling me in other directions. Um, but the fear of, you know, disappointing her, um, the fear know. of mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can just see the, the work ethic starting yeah. at such, a, such an early yeah. age. 
So tell us, uh, what kind of student were you like in, when it comes to academia and school? Um, you know, I, I, I was a product of my environment. Um, so I think, you know, had I been in a, in a different school system, you know, I would have been a much better student um, because I was disciplined even at, at an earlier age. Um, you know, you're, you're at a school where, you know, maybe it's, you know, uh, you know, you don't have the resources you know, in order to provide the kids the, you know, the real education that they need. Um, so I was just a product of that, that environment. And I don't think our, our school system at the time was, was that good. We didn't have the resources we need. And so I kind of just, you know, you know, was just there, right, you know, doing what I could. Um, and it wasn't until actually junior high school where, you know, this one uh, teacher, you know, pulled me aside and uh, she was young. She had just just taking the job she uh you know just fresh out of college or teaching school wherever they come from and uh you know she said to me she goes she goes you know there's some just something about you that i that i like you're very discerning and she goes you know i just want you just want to say these words to you she goes you know don't let somebody ever tell you that you can't be who you want to be wow. and i didn't really know what it meant at the time you know um I, you know i and i just kind of you know moved on and and, um, you know, didn't really understand, you know, what, what she said. And but, you know, if I think back to, you know, those those times, it was the late 70s, you know, early 80s when uh, late 70s, when those things were going on, um, you know, Massachusetts was, uh, you know, it was it was it was a, there was some struggle, you know, back then, uh, particularly uh, in the Boston area uh, where there was a lot of uh, racial tension. Um, you know, I never felt it. You know, I never experienced it, and I think um, a lot of that was because of, you know, playing sport. Um, I think when you're on a team and um, you're in, a, in an environment where, you know, everybody's, you know, pulling in one direction, I think, you know, like color and race and, you know, socioeconomic status and those things like that kind of go out the window. Um, you know, there are, will be some elements of that. Um, there's always that that one person there, but I, I, think, I think for the most part sport allows – you know, you to kind of be on on, on a balanced ground. Um, there's there's equality that runs throughout. So, um, and then you know, on top of that, being a you know being a more dominant athlete, I think that kind of allows you to rise to a little bit higher status. You know, within the team. Um, but I always felt like you know that's great. You know, for me, but you know, I was more about you know the the comfort of my teammates and and how they how they perceive me, and I just wanted to be one one of the guys. So what was that ride like? Obviously, um, you excelled at football, um, dominated high school, went on to Colgate, yeah. did great, ended up in the NFL. What's that ride like to go through as you reflect back now? I, you know, honestly, I mean, it's all like a, like a blur to me, to be, to be honest with you. I, it wasn't part of some grand plan, man. It just it wasn't. Um, you know, there were elements of a plan, um, but it wasn't about football. It wasn't around football. It was around me being successful and me – somewhere down the line being a business person. I thought originally I wanted to be like a doctor. Um, you know, I knew that was going to be a big challenge um, because I, I think I started in a hole, um, particularly when it came to, you know, my, my lower grade, grade school, you know, education. Um, but, you know, I knew that, you know, I could, you know, translate and utilize, you know, my athleticism, you know, to get me uh, where I wanted. Um, I had a buddy of mine, um, really, really great kid. His name was uh, Paul Dean, and uh, he lived on the other side of the tracks. Um, but I knew him through baseball, and um, and I 
you know, got to know his father over time, and his father was a doctor. Actually, his father uh, was my my mother's, um, you know, primary primary doctor. And uh, so one day he he invited us all up to his house, um, you know, up the hill, and it was a beautiful home. It was it was amazing, and you know, beautiful backyard with tennis courts and basketball courts and swimming pools. I mean, I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. And you know, I was just wondering, like, like how did they get this? Like, where did this come from? And I knew, you know, being a doctor, you know, he had some status in the community. But, um, you know, I set out to ask him and I, and I asked him, I said, what what's the difference? You know, why am I over here? And, you know, you and your family are over here. And he's like, it's education. And he says, that's the one you know thing that you could, you know, you can get for yourself is educate yourself. And which will give yourself an opportunity to do the things that you feel you, you're going to want to do, you know, somewhere down the line. And that set me off on the path, man. That was it. That's all he had to say. So, you know, coming out of high school, you know, I had a pretty good, you know, high school career. You know, nothing earth shattering. Um, you know, I actually ended up going to uh, prep school um, for for a year. So I PG'd after high school because I didn't have the board scores. And uh, that one year um, at Cushion Academy in Ashburn, Massachusetts, was was awesome um, because I was around uh, a number of people, a number of talented people. Um, not only athletically, but, you know, academically. And that kind of like spurred me. Um, and, uh, you know, it challenged me to, you know, get into the books. It challenged me to take advantage of all the resources that were there that would help me, you know, get the, uh, you know, get the SAT scores that I needed to be able to go to go to great school. And uh, it worked. It worked, um, you know, just being influenced by, you know, by other people. Um, and that's something that, you know, part of my philosophy today is 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 making sure that I surround myself with the right people. Um, and being influenced by the right people um, because the wrong people can take you in the other direction. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but just being around this doctor and, and just that, those one magic words is get your education. I mean, that, that set me off on a path. Uh, I was recruited by, you know, some of the, you know, top colleges uh, in the area, uh, Boston college, you know, Notre Dame, Syracuse, you know, university of Virginia, uh, Rutgers. Um, and, you know, I had some other smaller schools come, you know, come after me, you know, the Colgates of the world, you know, University of New Hampshire, you know, the Yales, you know, some of the Ivy League schools. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was tough making a decision, but I knew um, at the end of those four years of going to school somewhere that, you know, um, I'd have this great piece of paper with a great brand name on it. And that's what I wanted. Um, I wanted to be, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor anymore, but I wanted to be, um, have the opportunity to be a successful business person. Um, and uh, I decided to go to Colgate. Um, one weekend, I went on a recruiting trip up there. Uh, it was, if anybody knows anything about upstate New York um, during the wintertime, it's rough, man. It's, it, it is rough. And I must, it must have been like two degrees out and, <laughs> you know, about six, seven inches of snow up there. Um, but it was beautiful. It was serene. And the thing I liked about the campus was it's out there, out there in nowhere's land. I mean, there's nothing else around you to, to distract you. And, um, you know, I, I met a number of you know, folks that were on the team. Uh, one guy was my host. His name uh, is Eugene Robinson. And um, we used to call him Genie Rob. And he was a junior at the time. Um, and he, you know, he was my he was my host for that weekend. And I had a great time with him. Um, you know, he gave me the lay of the land. You know, we made, most of the time we spent, you know, just kind of just hanging out with the guys that were, you know, that were already there, part of the program. And we had we had some fun. And, um you know, a story about Gene was um, I, have, I have a lot of respect for the man. Um, 
you know, he kind of touted himself as this, you know, this born again Christian. And, and uh, I, I respected that, you know, for what, what he believed. And he, at that time was living his, living his life that way, which is very hard being on a college campus. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things being, being thrown at you. And, uh, but that's the way he lived and I respected him. And he was an athlete that had potential to go on to the next level, which he did. Um, when he left after the end of the 84 uh, college season, um, he ended up becoming a free agent and uh, he landed on the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so he was there, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 years. And then finally, uh, went on to you know win a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers and you know Go during the Reggie now. White and Brett Favre era, and then uh, his last couple couple years were uh, he kind of bounced around the league as he was coming to the close of his year, and um, you know he uh, you know he he was playing for the Atlanta Falcons at the time, and so I don't know if you remember the story, but um, um, Ray the night before the Super Bowl. Uh, you know he got caught out there, mm-hmm. um, and he just had come off winning a Man of the Year award. Um, and, uh, you know, he had just dropped his family off and he decided that he was going to, you know, go to the streets and it took him down. It took him down. And that, that, that took a lot of wind out of my sails. I, I lost a little bit of faith in, obviously I've lost a lot of faith in him, but, you know, I've lost a little bit of faith in, you know, kind of believing in people, um, to the point where, you know, I said to myself, I'm going to believe in myself. And that's that's what I'm going to believe in. I'm going to live by my rules. Um, you know, because I kind of patterned myself a little bit after him. I wasn't a born-again Christian, but I loved the way he was living his life at that time. And and But it was disappointing when, when that happened. Um, well, back to your quote about uh, influences in your life and yeah. who you have around you. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and I believe in that. That's part of my philosophy, you know, whether it's, you know, um, you know my everyday life, you know, uh, at my home with my family. Or even at work, you know, in this new new role that I have, or you know, in my previous you know uh, work life, you know, I want to make sure I surround myself with the right with the right people, um, not only from a um, you know from a you know from an influential standpoint, but um, you know what they bring to the table in terms of you know creating the environment that that needs to be need to be created. Um, you know, listen, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people with a lot of talent, um, you know, in, in the work area. Uh, but I look for like intangibles. I look for how they bring people together. I look for how they operate, you know, uh, within a team. Um, you know, I want people on my team that are unselfish. Um, not that you can't care about yourself. Um, you have to care about yourself, um, but you have to care about other people too. And uh, I found over the years, um, you know, through, you know, my management um, experience um, that when you find those people, you know, get a hold of them and and bring them close and make them part of your team um, because they're part of that successful winning formula. Um, you know they have the right attitude. Um, they influence others, um, which is great, and and they're easy to work with. And you want to be you want to be around them. I mean, in most of my you know management career, you know I was I was gone you know ten twelve hours a day, and you want to make sure you're around people that you like. Um, you know because if you don't like them. You're not going to want to be around them. Um, you know, I looked at my job, the things that I was doing, you know, those are those are great times for me. They, it was fun things for me. You know, I enjoyed doing what I was doing, you know, and it wasn't work to me. It was it was it was fun. And before we run out of time, believe it or not, we're almost out of time here today. But um, give us a sense um, in regards to Kenny, what being in NFL, you're growing up in sports. What maybe have you taken away from those experiences that have helped you so much in business life? Uh, teamwork 
uh, teamwork. It, it's it's different in the NFL, and I always point back to my college days. Um, I mean, I was a I was a co-captain. Um, my experience the first three years were were pretty bad, just purely from a leadership standpoint. And I think I alluded to earlier that I, I'm I'm very slow to to just get behind somebody now, um, just because they're in a leadership position. They have to show me something. They have to show me that they're selfless, um, that they're 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 committed to bringing people together and to doing the right thing. And um, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't see a lot of that in my in my past career um, working. Um, you know, the pro side, I mean, it's about the money at the, at the pro level. Um, yeah, there you see teams winning championships, um, and probably like the New England Patriots are the are the best at um, at the best at that. Uh, I've had the fortunate opportunity to um, have been around them um, because I was in Boston, and my previous uh, job allowed me to be around them um, because at the time, you know, we were um, I was working for Reebok and we were outfitting the NFL. Um, so I've had a lot of experience with you know the majority of head coaches at the time. Um, and Bill Belichick was a, he was just a different guy. He was a different guy, but you know, Bill Belichick didn't run that locker room who ran the locker room were the, the players, players the, the yeah. keep the key players, the, the Tom Brady's of the world, um, the Willie McGinnis of the world, you know, the, you know, Ty laws of the world. Right. Um, if you remember in 2007, they brought Randy Moss in and Randy Moss was this malcontent, you know, athlete. He was disruptive in Oakland and Minnesota and all these other places. But, you know, when Randy Moss got to New England, there was never a problem. Locker room handled that, huh? The locker room handled it. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you want. I mean, and that's the same thing with work, right? It's like, you know, you have to have, you know, people um, that control control that environment, right? And that's why you have to have the right people around you. You know, it can't just be one person. It's got to be It's got to be a collective effort. And as always, we get right to the juicy part and we're out of time, right? So for our listeners, you're just going to have to come back next Saturday morning to hear the rest of the story. Mr. Kenny Gamble, again, who's the owner of Paul Davis Restoration here in Charleston. Uh, Kenny, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to having you back next Saturday to hear the remainder of your story. Thank you. And again, you've been listening to Beyond the Business, heard exclusively here on 94.3 WSC. Look forward to having you back next Saturday morning. And until then, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.